Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. You know, we were working at Purdue University as campus pastors. My wife actually ran the International Center there. We had a 142 countries represented uh, on that campus. And so it was through our international students we began to really hear what was going on around the world as it pertains to modern day slavery, what a lot of the families of, of these just brilliant uh, people were going through. Michael Bartell is the founder and director of Free International. A former pastor, Michael and his wife were led to start Free International after serving as missionaries in Southeast Asia and realizing that human trafficking was not just a foreign problem. With incredible stories of hope and healing, welcome to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, it's so good to have you on Life Support. What we do on our podcast is we talk about things that aren't necessarily fun to talk about, but they're important. And we know that Jesus is a redeemer. He's always involved. And today we've got a wonderful guest that's going to help us understand another area that we struggle with in this world. His name is Michael Bartelli, he's founder and CEO of Free International. How you doing, Michael? Thanks. Doing for, good. Good to see you, Pastor. Thanks for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Tell me a little bit about Free International. What do you What do you do there? Uh, yeah, well, Free International is a missions organization that my wife and I founded back in 2007 uh, after having spent four years with another organization in Southern Asia doing work primarily with victims of human trafficking. And in the middle of our coming back and telling those stories uh, that we were seeing out of Southern Asia, uh, churches, community groups, people here in the States were like, man, that's, that's it's awesome what's going on, but what can we do? What can we put our hands to? And uh, my wife and I just, you know, over much prayer thought, well, maybe that's what we need to be doing is finding ways for the church, capital C, in a pragmatic sense, local church, to be engaged uh, with issues of vulnerability and trafficking and exploitation here in the States. And so uh, we started Free International, which stands for Find, Restore, Embrace, and Empower. And uh, we're not for profit, but we really uh, fancy ourselves a missions organization working very closely with the local church to reach the vulnerable and the exploited and the traffic. So tell me about your background a little bit. And most people don't sit at home going like, hey, we could do that. I, I would have no, I, no, no way to even start. Tell me about yourself a little bit. Yeah, well, and that, that's where we sat too. I mean, my wife and I are both ministers and pastors' kids, actually third generation. Uh, my grandmother was a church planter back in the 30s and the 40s when uh, when coming out of the Great Depression and into World War II when when there was, uh, you know, a big need for the men to be looking for work or off to war. They uh, planted 13 churches. And so my wife came from a church plant background as well. And that's what we thought we were going to be doing is church planting. 
Um, and we got exposed to what was going on with human trafficking back in the mid nineties. Sorry for that background noise. I'm at an airport right now, unplanned stop at an airport here. But, um, but you know, we were working at Purdue university as campus pastors. My wife actually ran the international center there. We had a 142 countries represented uh, on that campus. And so it was through our international students, we began to really hear what was going on around the world as it pertains to modern day slavery, what a lot of the families of, of these just brilliant uh, people were going through. And it just really got under our skin, right? It was something that we had that same question, what is it we can do about this? So we began to dig quite a bit, what is it we can do? How can we make an impact uh, as a student organization? And we had a campus church. What is it we can do to actually, um, you know, be God's hands and feet and and points of rescue, to use a, a loaded word, for those who are going through these things? And so, so through all our digging, all our research, all the stuff we were, you know, trying to figure all this out with, we just got to a point where we were like, well, we, we can't just cram our head full of knowledge. We got to figure out a way to really engage this. And so we jumped in as world missionaries and went to India. And it was during our time in India, we just, you know, learned how to take the information we had crammed into our head and, and put it to work. So we don't have a background in law enforcement. We don't have a background in a lot of areas that we actually work very collaboratively and heavily with now. Um, we're just, ministers of the gospel that saw a need and and did what we could to step into it good for you um i want to find out how you do that because i think the way that free international works is really fascinating but i want to talk a little bit about trafficking because for many believers it's kind of this foreign concept it's kind of over here and not really part of our daily experience but we hosted a super bowl here in minneapolis uh, a few years ago, not too long ago, and my eyes were opened when different groups came and said, here's what's going to happen when the Super Bowl comes here. And I realized that human trafficking is happening all around us here, even in the suburbs. So tell me about what forms does human trafficking take? Um, and are any of us separated out from the effects of it? Oh, those are great questions. And, and yeah, actually when, you know, just a little point of reference, maybe we get back to in a little bit, I'm sure. Um, when I first got back to the States, my wife and I, uh, and you know, we had seen what trafficking looked like there. That was our context, you know, uh, contact, con uh, these type of exploitation and human trafficking happening overseas in India and Thailand and these places it definitely happens there. Um, but when we came back, we knew there was big issues here in the States. In fact, you know, we're, we're uh, probably the third largest, second or third largest uh, problem with trafficking in the in the world is here in the United States. And we we act as a point of origin, um, point of transit and, and obviously a big part of the demand for various types of trafficking that would include sex trafficking, you know, sex trafficking of minors as well as labor trafficking and, uh, you know, other things pertaining to that. Um, and so when we came back and wanted to start 
um, getting the church involved here in the States, uh, you know, we had to, we had to learn what it looked like. What does this look like, you know, in the urban centers and in the suburbs and in the rural areas? And, and, you know, obviously the church, uh, is in all these places. So what can we do to learn what this looks like so we can engage it? One of the first people we ran across when we came back, uh, here into, the United States was Brad Dennis, who's now our national search director. He actually was the man who started uh, all the Super Bowl outreaches back in 2009. Uh, you know, he's recognizing that when you bring large amounts of disposable income into an area for a short period of time, you're going to have an increase in all sorts of issues, including trafficking, right? And the recruitment of the vulnerable for those purposes as well. And so uh, we we had done the Super Bowls every year uh, until the year it was in Minneapolis. Then we shifted, and that was the first year we actually did the Super Bowl week in Las Vegas as Las Vegas gets uh, actually more visitors during that 10-day period than the Super Bowl city does. And uh, we already we based out of Las Vegas, so we already have relationships and all that. Just so happens the Super Bowl's coming to town this year, so it, it, it overlaps again. But but yeah, I mean, we have people on our team, missionaries all over our team who work in all these areas. Uh, Jody and Wendy Dice, who are part of our team, they they base out of Mississippi. Um, and a lot of familial trafficking there, families who are trafficking their children because of their poverty or their drug addictions, you know, selling their children for uh, for sex. And, um, and, and obviously a lot of labor trafficking issues uh, you know, oftentimes in rural uh, farmlands, you know, in massage parlors and uh, nail salons, places like that, where where the vulnerable, again, get exploited. Not all of them are being exploited uh, sexually through sex trafficking, but they are definitely being exploited in, in significant ways uh, through the labor side. So you really are looking out for those that... Um, are the oppressed of our society, and that's really important. Now, the way you do it is fascinating to me because I only know a little bit about this, but this isn't some kind of low-level, like, you know, we're going to sit in an office somewhere and hope we can make a difference. I mean, you're out there doing some pretty radical stuff. It's pretty neat. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, um have a broad range of skill sets on our teams uh, who have expertises in a lot of areas. But when we do these major events, um, like I believe you're referring to, at least in part, uh, we bring all those um, all those resources, resources of the church, right? These are these are people who come out of our churches who are ministers who have background in in uh, special forces in the military or lieutenants, you know, in on vice departments or um, you know, FBI, we have, um, we have counselors on our team, therapists, we have a broad range of skill sets on the team. And, and, and I, you know, we truly believe that's, that's one, the gift of the church into this world, right? I mean, this is a monstrous issue in our world, but, but that's why the, that God left his church here so that none would perish, right? That all might know who he is. And so, so when we come into a city, we, we, we take a focus of the missing kids, right? Um, we have 2,300 kids that are reported 
missing every day in this country. And and those are just the ones that are reported missing. There are a lot of kids that go missing. The families don't care. They're part of social services, so nobody reports them missing. And um, huge amount of very young kids that are incredibly vulnerable or themselves being exploited uh, in, in cities and areas all around the country. So what we do is we work with law enforcement. We work with the social service departments and the and juvenile justice systems in the cities we go to to identify uh, the kids who are at greatest risk or have had a history of trafficking or likely currently being trafficked. And so once we identify those kids, what we're able to do is work with law enforcement, work with the education system. Uh, we're obviously work with our churches to mobilize in the city we go into to find those uh, specific kids, but not exclusively those kids. Because as you know, when when you go out into the fields and cast the seed where, where it needs to go, you're going to run across a lot of other vulnerability. We teach our uh, crew that you never step over one need to get to another need, right? So so we have a specific task of looking for these kids, but we find ourselves really as well in in service and ministry of the gospel into law enforcement, into uh, the political realm. Um, in fact, I just got invited the day before yesterday to go speak to all the attorneys general of the United States of America on this very issue and how the church can make an impact, how the faith community is impacting for the positive um, those who are who are vulnerable and exploited. So when we come into a city, we identify those vulnerable missing kids, and then we mobilize the church to go look for them. We were just in Minneapolis uh, a couple weeks ago. We mobilized about 300 people in various churches from the Minneapolis area, and we were in over 600 businesses with the faces of the very kids we were looking for, allowing us to be present and kind of force multiply Here's who we're looking for, and here are the other things going on in our community that we can help with, and the church will impact as well. And so, uh, so focusing on those missing kids, and and also the, not just the kids themselves, but the environments they're coming out of. You know, kids go, kids if they're running away, they're running away from something, or they're running to something. So it allows us to again work with the faith community to almost adopt these families. Or these foster care uh, families and networks to go, what what are the gaps in real help and need uh, and services that our churches then can layer into these families to, to limit that vulnerability and to be very present with that family? It's a key verse for us uh, as a missions organization, Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and our strength, very present in time of trouble. And so what we try to do with our efforts toward trafficking and toward the vulnerable and toward the missing is what does it mean to be very present in the lives of those who really need um, help, need, need community, need positive community, and ultimately, as we know, uh, need the gospel uh, as well. Michael Bartel is our guest from Free International. Um, is there anything the average person is doing that uh, AIDS trafficking, and we don't even know it. In other words, we're going through our lives. We're yeah. things that we don't think of, yeah. and it's pushing this issue forward. Yeah, yeah. I, I I would think the number one 
thing, um, which which there's complications with it because it be, it's an addiction, right? Which addictions uh, need a need to be handled as addictions, but pornography plays a pivotal role uh, in in uh, human trafficking. Oftentimes, you know, there are a lot of groups, people I work with, who believe uh, in and of itself, porn is what drives trafficking. That those who engage with porn uh, all end up purchasing sex and and looking for more and more uh, of a thrill on the backside. I I oftentimes think think because of it being an addiction, that definitely happens. That that definitely happens as any addiction can. But um, I think uh, a lot of those I know who we worked with with our organization are addicted to pornography. It's an end to itself. But the problem is that pornography is largely acted out. Those who are in porn are largely being trafficked as well uh, through force, fraud, coercion. They're being, uh, they're, they're engaging in commercial sex acts on camera and, and stupidly in our country, just because it's filmed somehow we think it removes because, because of, of our pornography laws here, you know, it's free speech, right? If you film, and exploitation, it becomes okay. But um, but I think porn, it's not the only place, but porn definitely is one of those things, especially as we talk to men and, and actually a growing number of women who, who are addicted to porn, that, that, that porn itself is an act of human trafficking in more cases than not. You have no idea what's going on on the other side of that camera. The fantasy being created is oftentimes being uh, created through exploited uh, and definitely vulnerable people. And so, so yeah, uh, to answer that question, you know, we definitely in trainings and stuff can go through lists of stuff, but I think porn is probably the number one driver on the, on the sex trafficking side of things um, as far as human trafficking is concerned. I think that's important for us to know because many times in the church where we, uh, we're concerned about the people who are addicted to porn that are using porn. We know it destroys people, it destroys families, but this adds a whole nother dimension to that problem. Right. And as believers, man, we have to take that seriously. And we need to get the word out about what's really going on because I think there are people that, that watch porn who see it as a victimless crime, yeah. stand put it that way. And it isn't. And if they knew what you just said, they would go get help or they would say, listen, man, I got to stop because nobody knows. Sorry. No, I mean, I I don't think that many people understand the the depth to which you're saying this is happening. Yeah, I I think you're 100 percent right. I, I know with a lot, you know, I speak to big men's events and things like that often. And um, I, I, virtually none of the men there that are struggling with pornography um, consider this, right? And it's already a shame-based kind of thing already. So so when we address this, we, we don't want to cast more shame. I mean, obviously, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. However, this is not a small thing, and it isn't, like you say, a victimless crime. Um, I kind of relate oftentimes, even even this uh, addiction to porn, 
almost like the prophet who comes to David after he slept with Bathsheba and tells him the story. And in that story, you know, the, the person of so riled up thinking this guy needs to says, well, actually it's you. <laughs> we're, we're talking about you, right? The, the, this is the process of that. And, you know, our, our culture is really over-sexualized um, a lot of things. And, and it is, it has landed in a lot of uh, even ministers of the gospel in the church. And uh, so I think, yeah, I think we need to take a full approach to this, right? That, that needs to be dealt with um, uh, for a lot of different reasons, for relationship reasons, for your relationship to God, your relationship to your spouse, just how we view the opposite sex and what we value. But, but that, that piece has to find its way in there. And I, I think the more people understand that, the more they're like, man, if, if I'd have known it was doing that, I would have left it a long time ago. And so I think you're hundred percent correct. Yeah. And, and when the Bible talks about purity and it talks about um, being careful to guard our hearts, it, it's, it must also be referring to the people that you're lusting after. Yes. You're seeing them as less than image bearers of God. Yeah. Amen. No, you're hundred percent correct. And, and it's obviously a very sensitive issue, right? And so, so um, not only does this need to be talked about in our churches and among our people, but, but how we talk about it's very important too. Right. And, and the same thing with trafficking and kind of other exploitations. I mean, if one in three to one in five, one in three girls to one in five boys have been um, sexually abused or molested before they hit eighteen, you know that that includes our church, right? It includes um, a lot of things in our church that I'm not saying we have to come in like a bull in a china cabinet and clean house, but if if we're gonna make an impact on behalf of the vulnerable we can't look past the people who are sitting in their own exploitation, uh, exploitation right in our own churches. And knowing how to have those conversations um, is, is, is important. And I don't know if all of us know how to do that, but we got to start somewhere. And obviously we had to have to have safe place conversations so that we can get help to those who need help. How do I find out more about Free International? How do I find out? International. uh, Go ahead. Freeinternational.org is our website. (laughs) Sorry. Again, sorry for the the setting for this uh, interview. I was very much looking forward to this. But the the website is freeinternational.org. We're all over social media. we're actually launching uh, a, a place called the Big Searches. Our big community outreaches. It's going to have its own landing page and, and ways to get involved. That's going to be uh, at thebigsearch.us. Um, that's getting ready to launch, and and uh, we have a lot of other ways that we're really engaging the church. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, just landed in Wichita. We got a handful of our team here because we're training uh, many out of the churches in the area. Uh, of Wichita, uh, we call the Shepherd's Crews on some of these technical skill sets 
and tying it into some of the large resources Free International has. And so all those things are available um, for, for the kingdom of God work. Well, you keep up the good work, and I really appreciate you stopping by. I want to talk to you about a few more things uh, next time. I've got a lot of questions for you, but I think what you're doing is admirable, awesome. needed, and I love how you use the body of Christ. So good job, and thanks so much for stopping by. Hey, thank, thank you so much, Pastor. God bless. So Michael is doing something that's vitally important because uh, he cares about the people that God has created. and. As we walk through this Christian life, um, we can understand that God um, cares about us enough to mobilize groups like this. And I think of Isaiah 40, verses 29 through 31. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. And I want you to remember that because issues like this are overwhelming. But in our own lives, when we're struggling to, to feel like we matter, when we feel alone, when we feel like we're oppressed or we're suffering, it's easy to think that God doesn't care. But he does and he provides strength and he'll provide the strength that you need. So I want to thank you for listening to Life Support. You can watch a video version of this podcast at fivestonemedia.com. Thanks to Faith Radio for being our home at faithradio.com. And we'll catch you next time right here on Life Support. Life Support is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. listening to this life support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of life support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support.